Man, thank you, worship team. Love that song. I mean, that's what we come here to affirm every Sunday, that we serve and follow, participate with a God who loves us, a God who desires for us to know his love, to wrap his arms around us, for us to get that we are loved by this God. We're going to look at that a little bit today. Sometimes we're running around. We've got a lot of stuff on our plate. We've got a massive to-do list. So when we can gather on Sunday, what it does for us is it causes us to just take a deep breath and to go, oh, man, here's a place where I can rest. Here's a place where I can remember again that God loves us, that God loves me. And that's what we're going to look at today in Scripture. That's what we're going to affirm today. As we stand under the Word of God, the Scriptures, the Bible, we're going to stand under that and look at what the Bible has to say to us today about who is this God, this God who loves us, God who loves you, God who loves, who loves me. It's great to be back here. Um, I know a number of you might have known that I was gone last week. Um, and I was up in Seattle, and it was a fantastic time for Evelyn and, and the kids and I to get away. We drove up to Seattle, actually. We drove up the five and then through Oregon and then up to Seattle. Not only did we get to participate in this wedding, um, Evelyn was a bride's matron there. That was kind of cool. And this is a good friend of ours who's pastoring a church up in uh, the Seattle area. Not only did we get to do that, on the road trip, we also got to visit a good friend of ours who is also pastoring a church in Salem, Oregon. So even though I wasn't here with you, there was a lot of sort of church stuff that we were doing and um, sort of what pastors do when you go visit another pastor, you go and see their church. And so that was kind of a cool thing. I got to see another covenant church up in Salem, Trinity Covenant Church. And there's just all kinds of connections between our church here, churches in the Bay Area, and churches all uh, up and down uh, the coast there. So anyway, that's where we were. Um, And I was grateful for Pastor Ali preaching last Sunday about who God is and how we have hope in the struggles that... uh, that life sends our way. So thank you, Pastor Ali, for, for preaching. And uh, sounded like he got you guys going a little bit last week. So that was kind of fun. This Sunday, we're going to begin a new series. And on the front of your bulletin, you see it. It's the summer. And so we're going to title this series, The Summer of Love. The summer of love. I see people shaking their head. I know some of you guys, I'm not going to make any eye contact, but I know some of you guys actually live through the summer of love and the tie-dyes and the VW, t- the VW bands and all, and I'm not going to mention all the other stuff that happened. I, I know, I know because this is a family show, so we're not going to mention that stuff. But we're going to look for this month in June at love. And because it's the summertime, we're going to look at the summer of love. Now, when you think about love, love, there's a lot of ways that love gets defined. There's a lot of ways that we can approach this idea of love. There's romantic love, right? There's romantic love where there's like love between like a guy and a girl, 
and the birds and the bees, and it's springtime, it's dating. So that's kind of love, romantic love. There's sacrificial love. There's love that serves other people without looking for anything in return. There's this deep sort of love that I just am giving to you. I'm serving you. Sacrificial love. In our lives as, as humans, there's, there's a longing kind of love. You can understand love as sort of, man, there's, there's something that I long for. It's a little different than romantic love. There's a longing, there's a deep longing for something, a deep longing for intimacy in relationships. There's a, there's a deep love that I have to see justice done in the world, and I long to be a part of a world that is right. So this is that kind of heartfelt, deep longing kind of love. Um, and there's, there's other things. There's friendship love. There's love where it's like, wow, you know, we like the same kinds of things. And so you like that? I like that too. And so it's, it's a friendship kind of love. We're, we're wired for love. We give love. We receive it. Poetry is written about it. Songs are sung about it. God has made us for love. God has wired us for love. And so to kick off this whole series, we're going to look at this uh, question today. And it's kind of a phrase. It's God is love. We're going to start there. Because as followers of Jesus Christ and as a people that look to Scripture to guide our lives, Scripture says clearly that God is love. And we're going to look at that together. We're going to look at that here, and then we're going to move into these other understandings of love all throughout this month of June, the summer of love, as we explore this. So I'm going to put up on the screen here this passage, a famous passage that comes out of 1 John chapter 4. And John, who wrote this, is also responsible for the Gospel of John. He's responsible for 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which are these small books at the end of the New Testament. And this John also wrote the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. Now, John is a guy who was the disciple of Jesus. He was one of the sons of Zebedee, and John, who authored this, was the guy that was one of the very first disciples that Jesus called. He had a brother named James. Jesus called James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to follow him. And so this John really knows about Jesus. This John really knows about who God is. And all through John's gospel, it is this John who is referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved. If you read the Gospel of John and you read along that story, every once in a while you're going to hit this part where it says, and then the disciple that Jesus loved did thus and so. Or the disciple that Jesus loved said this. That's a way, that's a, that's a marker in the Gospel of John. And that's John referring to himself in that big story, in that big narrative of the Gospel of John. So this John, who was loved by Jesus, who walked with God, who knew God, writes this passage about who God is. And it's in 1 John 4, 15 and 19. We're going to look at this a little bit more closely. Let me read it for you. 
Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. There's a lot of things that you can say about God. If you're going to fill in that phrase for yourself, God is blank. There's a lot of words that you can put in for that. There's a lot of different words that people will put in for that. God is blank. But for John, who knew Jesus Christ, the way he fills that in is God is love. God is love. God who created everything is known as the God who is love. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Abide means to remain or to live in. So God lives in him. By this is love perfected in us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And then we love because he first loved us. See, God is love. And perfect love casts out fear. Sometimes people redefine God as God is judgmental or God is harsh, or God is wrathful. When you look at a passage like this, and when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, you see that God is love. That God is not a God about punishment. God is a God about love. And when we get into our hearts and into our souls, this perfect love that God loves us with, It's not a God about judgment or about fear or about punishment or God's not trying to catch you in something. God is trying to love you and God is trying to love me. God's trying to love us towards his kingdom. And when we get that perfect love of God in us, then we know that fear is driven out of our lives and perfect love casts out that fear and cast out that punishment. And we can lean into the goodness and the love of God. Now, when you look at this passage, and, and if you're in one of our small group Bible studies and you're looking at this, here's a, a little bit of a tip of what the small group Bible study is going to talk about. In the small group study, I asked this question, how many times does the word love show up in this passage? And so we did this little thing, kind of grayed out the whole text. And here's what, how many times love shows up. In these five verses, the word love shows up nine times. God is love. God is love. And John is really wanting us to get this, that love, love, love. But not only does it show up nine times, not only is this really important for us to get, but it shows up in the original language as a particular kind of love. It's not kind of romantic love, or it's not kind of brotherly love. It's a different kind of love. 
It's a different kind of love. It's agape love. Love, every time that it's shown here, all these nine times, it's agape love. And what that is, is it's a special kind of love. Agape is this Greek word here for love. Agape. It's a special kind of love. And it's a love that's unselfish. It's generous. It's a gift kind of love. It's a love that, as a gift, it goes towards someone else. It's sacrificial. It's sacrificial. Now, in the New Testament, this kind of love is different than another kind of love. And another Greek word that you might know is a phileo kind of love. It gets translated in English as the same. In our English Bible, it's the same. Agape love is love. Phileo love is love. But a phileo love is kind of like a different kind of love. It gives us the word phileo, words like Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. Phileo love, which is not this, is a brotherly kind of love. Or sometimes in our, in our language we use, in scientific language, like something that might be hydrophilic. It's something that, that, that has an affinity towards water. Like a little animal that is hydrophilic is an animal that likes to live in water. But that is a, a kind of an affinity towards. A phileo love is kind of an affinity love. A phileo love, which is not agape, which is this gift love, phileo love, which is a brotherly love, is sort of like we have an affinity for something. If we both like the San Francisco Giants, then we have a phileo love. If we both like period drama, like Downton Abbey, and we go over to each other's house and we watch Downton Abbey together, we have a phileo kind of brotherly love. If you like action movies and you really like the X-Men movie and you want to watch this with other people, that's a brotherly kind of love. Hey, I'm, by the way, I, I'm going to give a commercial here. We have a growing men's group here at GRX. And last Sunday, while I was away in Seattle, I heard some guys went out and saw the X-Men movie. You guys went and saw that X-Men movie? That's, yeah, so if you want to... You know, I heard it was good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Feeling <laughs> about that? No, I'm, I'm just teasing. I'm just they invited me. But I just want to say that we do have a growing men's group here at GRX where we share this love, this brotherly love, and we've got a uh, an email thing where we shoot off different th- kind of things like this. We don't blast everybody at GRX because we don't want to like spam the church or anything. But if you're a guy and you want to get into some uh, relationships with other guys, community like that, come up to me afterwards, give me your email address, and I'll include you in that. And then you can uh, participate with us. It's an open invitation. All the guys at GRX are invited to join us in this men's group that we're, that we're doing stuff together. Anyway, so that's commercials over. But that's the phileo love. Guys that will watch the X-Men movies together. That's the phileo love because you have an affection towards one, or one another and an affinity towards the same kinds of things. But this love is different. This love is agape love. It's gift love. And what it does is, unlike the phileo love where you might be sitting side by side and watching a movie and you share that love together, this love moves. This love moves from one place to another place. 
This love is a love that moves from God towards humanity. This is the love that God first loved us with through Jesus Christ. In the book of Romans, it talks about this movement and it says that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still broken, while we were still estranged from God, Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for us to take away our sins so that we might be restored to relationship with God. That while we were yet sinners, God shows his love for us and that Christ died for us. That's God's moving towards us. That's God's agape love towards us. So when John says that God is love, it's not God loves us in a romantic kind of sense. It's not that God loves us in a brotherly kind of sense. It's that God is love. Is that God loves us in an agape kind of sense. That before we did anything, God loved us and God moves towards us. God loves us with an unconditional kind of love. God loves us with an unconditional kind of love. This is really hard for us to get in the 21st century. This is really hard for us to get because when our culture and in our world, love is bought and love is sold. In our world, love is a commodity. In our world, love is earned. If you do the right things, say you do the right things at your work, they show you the love by giving you a raise or they promote you. But this kind of love is a love that is so foreign to us that we are loved completely because of who we are and who God is. Not an earned kind of love, not a status kind of love, not a kind of love that we can create, but God loves us and desires for his arms to wrap around us. I was trying to think of a way that maybe this love can kind of play itself out, but sometimes love plays itself out in the form of power. You see this politically, and I think you may see it as well economically. Let me try to explain this to you. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but stay with me if, if you can. Sometimes in the political world, I would say in the business world, I would say in the economic world, people are either on their way up or on their way down. Companies, right, are usually on their way up or on their way down. Politicians are people that are either on their way up or on their way down. Movie stars are on their way up or on their way down. When parties happen, when a politician has a party, or when a, when a movie star has a party, or when a company has a party, people want to be at the parties where people are on their way up. They want to be with where the popular people are. They want to be around the people 
that are on their way up. They want to be around these people. And that sometimes gets confused with love. Man, I'm going to go to this guy's party or I'm going to go to that guy's party because that guy is heading up. That guy's really got some place where he's going. That guy's a real mover and shaker. So I'm going to be with them. I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to go to their parties. But if you think about a, petition, uh, a politician who's kind of on his way out or a company that's kind of on the downward slide or a rock star or a musician or something that's kind of, you know, past their prime, they have a party, people don't really want to hang out with them. They don't want to be associated with them. They don't want to be seen by them. And this sense of like, how does love get played out in this? When I look at the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ isn't cared about people moving up, loving those people, spending time with those people. Jesus Christ is concerned about people regardless of whether they're moving up or they're moving down. Jesus loves people regardless of whether their company is moving up or moving down. Jesus loves people whether they're in their career, politically, economically, they're moving up or down. It doesn't matter. Jesus loves because his love is this agape love. It moves from him to other people. Your love by Jesus, the love that Jesus has for me, is not dependent on whether we think we're moving up or we're moving down. He loves us for who we are. God's agape love is for you. And what that means is that as this movement of love moves from God to you, it means that you are a lovable person. You are lovable. God loves you. God loves you. You know, I think sometimes this is hard for us to get as well, that we are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Man, I wish I could somehow just like somehow squeeze you guys all together to show you guys how much God loves you and that you would know God's love for you, that you are lovable, that you are lovable. I've got this little exercise for you guys to do um, when you guys get home. And this might seem a little crazy. You, this might seem a little bit crazy, but I'm going to just ask you to do this. I'd just like you to go home and sometime this week, stand in front of the mirror. Stand in front of the mirror and say to that person in the mirror, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You know, there was this interesting thing being up in Seattle for this wedding um, that I discovered. Um, so Evelyn was part of the bride's uh, maids and bride's matron community. And um, so the wedding was in the afternoon, but all of the folks that were there, uh, that were bridesmaids or bride's matrons, all went over to the bride's home early in the morning 
to uh, get their hair done, get their makeup done. I call it their time to beautify. <laughs> I say they're going to go over early and beautify. And so the wedding was in the afternoon, late afternoon. And I'm thinking, well, okay, we're, you know, we're in Seattle. We got to drive around. I got to drop Evelyn off. I got to take the, I got to do something with Natalie and Philip. I'm thinking, how long could this take? Right? I'm a guy, right? I can't do much with my hair, right? I'm like, how long could this take? Now, now, if you've ever sort of, uh, as a woman, you know, maybe been a bridesmaid or maybe you got married or something like that, you, you guys already know how long this takes. But for me, I was a little like, really? <laughs> really? It's that? And, but what struck me was, wow, yeah, this is like, we got, let's take this chunk of time to beautify, to beautify. But what struck me was, when we stand in front of a mirror, whether we're wearing makeup or not, whether our hair is combed or not, whether our clothes are looking ironed or not, God loves you. God loves you. And so this week, sometime, I, I ask you to do that and to see how that is for you. Already I know some people are going, oh man, really? You're asking me to do this? But I'm asking you to do this because that's true. It's true that God loves you because God is love. God loves you. You know, there's a successful pastor. He's really academic. He's from the UK and he tells this story. He's trying to get his daughter to understand that she is loved by him. So he tells this story, and she was in high school, and she was studying French. And, you know, he's this really big academic guy, and he, you know, he's really sharp. And so grades, you know, she has to do really well. There's a lot of pressure for her to do really well. And she's in French, and she just doesn't do too well. She's not so good at languages. And she gets, like, this really bad grade. And she's a little bit scared. She's a little bit worried that if she brings this home, her dad is going to be upset at her, criticize her, kind of get down on her. But what she does is she comes and she tells her dad, hey, dad, you know, I didn't do so well on this French exam. And here's my grade. It wasn't so good. And then she just waits. And she's waiting for some kind of judgment or some kind of condemnation. And he looks at her and he looks at the paper and he looks at the grade and he says, well, I do want you to know that I love you. And she goes, oh, you know, yeah, I guess I could have done better in French. I guess I could have studied more. I guess I could have worked harder. And he goes, no, no, I want you to hear but I love you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Languages aren't really my thing. I get, you know, sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. Are you mad at me, Dad? Are you? It's like, I love you. I love you. And I wonder if sometimes for us within our Christianity, we kind of carry this around like, oh, God, you know, I didn't really have my quiet time today. I didn't really 
pray so much today. I kind of said some things today, God, that I really regret. And our God just wants to take us and say, hey, I know you're not perfect. I made you. And I love you. And you are lovable to me. And so God, who is love, loves you. And that you are lovable. And then this third thing, this third thing, this last thing that I want to share, that out of this agape love, this love that moves from God to us, that shows us that we are lovable, then it's a love that God wants us to then love other people with. John said, if you abide in this agape love, you abide in God. It's a love that flows from God into us and swirls around in us and surrounds us and holds us. And then an agape love that's from us then goes out and loves other people. It flows towards other people. It's a love that we have that we give to other people. So in your place of work or in your school or in your family, when we have the love of God in us, flowing around us and working in us, and we know God's love for us, then it's with that love that we then love our coworkers. Or then it's that we love the people that are our fellow students. Or it's then with that love that we allow God's love to flow through us to love our family members. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That we know and embrace the love that God has for each of us. And then that love then flows to other people. It's a love that then flows to other people. Let me try to give an illustration for this or an analogy for this. While we were driving up to Seattle, we crossed this river that divides Oregon and Washington. And that river is called the Columbia River. It's a beautiful river, and if you ever get a chance to just drive up, it's a gorgeous river. It's that little line that's just north of Oregon and south of Washington. And when you cross over the Columbia River, there are a series of dams that are there. And think about a dam. A dam, you've got snow that's melted up on the mountains, and then it melts, and then it flows down the river, and then it comes and hits the dam. And that dam is right there in the middle of that river, and as the water flows through the dam, what happens? The water that comes through that dam begins to work the turbines, and there's this hydroelectric power that begins to be produced as those turbines spin and as that water flows through that dam. And then what happens to that water as it comes out the other side? It goes down and it continues to flow downward towards the people that are downriver. That image of the water and the dam and then flowing through is like God's agape love for us. It's like we are the dam and God's love is flowing from the mountains towards us and we 
abide, remain. We live in that swirling love like that river. And then God's love comes into our lives and it works in us. It spins, it churns, it forgives, it restores, it renews. God's love works in us and in our hearts and in our spirits and in our souls and generates in us a renewed energy for life. But that love doesn't remain with us. This agape love is not meant for us to just hold on to it. God's agape love then flows downriver to bless other people. That's God's love flowing through us. That's God's agape love working in us. You might be in a season of your life right now where you're feeling really dry. Where you're feeling like, man, I got so much work and I've got so much worry and I got so many things on my mind. It's just hard for me to love other people. I don't really feel this agape love flowing through me. And it's my prayer for you that you would spend some time, you would spend some time with Jesus. You're going to have to carve out some time with you and God to spend time and let God love you. Pause a busy life long enough to be before God, to pray, to be in his word, to read this passage out of 1 John 4, to be with Jesus and let God love you. God's love is all around us, but we have to open up our hearts and our ears and our minds and our souls to receive that love. And so I just encourage you, if you're feeling particularly dry, take some time, come away, Know God's love for you. God wants to love you. And God wants his love to be in you and to flow towards other people. God is love. It's not just a romantic love or a phileo love. It's a love that moves towards you to bring you a wholeness in his life. You know, there's nothing more valuable than you can know than to know that God is love and that God loves you. We're going to have a chance to celebrate communion together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on forward. This act that we do, what we do with this bread and this cup, is a reminder of Jesus Christ's love for us. That Jesus Christ loved us by dying on the cross for our sins. That God's movement towards us, that God's love towards us is found in Jesus Christ. And when we give our lives over to Jesus Christ, we say yes to the love of God. Yes to the love of God in Jesus Christ that forgives our sins and embraces us and embraces who we are. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke the bread. And he said, friends, this is my body, 
that is broken for you. He was referring to his body being broken on the cross for sins. And then the same way after the supper was over, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new promise, the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And the Apostle Paul says, as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. The death of Jesus Christ is God's love for us to restore us into right relationship with God. So Jesus Christ invites us to this table to remember that he loves us. As we enter into communion, I'm going to pray for us that we would know God's love for us. So let's pray together.